Teacher, what star is that? Set freeze and I got numb. Can I tell him that I never really had a gun? But it's the wax at the Terminator X Bun. Thank you for listening to FarsideTV.com. You are locked into Side Life Radio. I am your host, Adisa the Bishop, aka the Black Dragon of the West Side, aka Zato Ichi, aka the South Bay Shogun, a. A.K.A. The Iron Hook Assassin, a.k.a. The Black Cortez Killer. Nobody's trilling than me, homeboys and girls. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast, giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, MMA, and health and fitness trends. Ain't nobody out there lacing your cranium with this here vibranium. We gonna sprinkle it on, sprinkle it on, sprinkle it on, like a decent bishop. So you can be down now, or you can bow down later, but the West Coast OGs stay greater. So thank you for tuning in today if this is your first time listening first time listeners can i get a raise your hand in the back i've I've never seen you before ma'am first time okay um well (laughs) those who already have listened they're gonna tell you right now we need you to understand this may not be the best thing however however it's sure enough is the West thing. It's sure enough is the West thing. It's sure enough. What? It's sure enough. The West thing. Yeah. So, it may not be the best thing, but it's sure enough is the West thing. Better believe it. Uh, I appreciate you all. Please, if you come to bishopchronicles.com, we love that. If you go to farsidetv.com, we love that. But what we really love is when you subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, on Mixcloud, or on Libsyn. You know what I mean? We need that. It helps us to be able to keep helping you. So please subscribe and do us the favor of you can take this episode and pass it on to your partner. Just one partner. You can look at a past episode, the Tupac Machiavelli one, you know what I mean? You could look at the interview with the architect, right? Hip-hop production. You could look at, you know, any of the last ones we've been doing recently and just pass it on to someone you think would really benefit, you know what I mean? For me personally, it is important that we grow Steady with people who really get it, that this tribe is actually authentic. If you about nonviolence, if you about eating and living better, if you about getting in tune with your true self, if you about achieving your goals, if you're about, you know, um, having a fresh and clear and new perspective on things that you already study and are into, then you need to be here. Now, we want you on deck. That's why I say just pass it on to one person. Don't give it, send the blast out to 200 people hoping they all click. They're not all going to click. Send it to one person. Be like, yo, this Tupac episode on Machiavelli, 
hella deep. Check it out. Oh, this dude's talking about Cloud Scroll T. It's good for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Episode UFC 244. He talks about uh, the Cloud Scroll T and its benefits. That's what you want. You know what I mean? Like if I woke up tomorrow and I had like a million followers, I mean, I would like it because it would probably mean I'm going to make some money, right? But would they be y'all? No. That shift starts to happen at some point. And I know it's inevitable. But you know what? Right now, each one teach one. Take it. Pass it on to one person. Maybe your auntie needs this. Maybe your niece needs this. Maybe your nephew's tripping. He needs to hear this. What we getting ready to talk about on health and fitness. You know what I mean? Maybe uh, your coworker needs it. You know what I'm saying? Also, make sure that you follow at Bishop Chronicles on IG, right? Or, you know, because obviously I run Hip Hop Chess Federation. We got some new events getting ready to pop off. You can follow at Real Hip Hop Chess. And you know what? You should follow my producer, Mike Realm, because he's the dope shit at Mike Realm, R-E-L-M. You know what I'm saying? And you should be following at Farside TV off top, Blake. Now, if you've noticed that my energy is high, but my voice sounds a little strange, you're right. Uh, the deal is, is that, um, boy, when I tell you how sick London was, man, shout out to everybody who gave me love on my birthday, you know what I mean? Have birthday out there, have Valentine's out there, it was live, but I love London. They don't really celebrate Valentine's in London, just so you're clear, in case you were wondering, they don't really care. But my point is, is I had a great time. I'm doing a whole thing on London next episode, right? But, you know, the point is, is Corona is real. I was out there. I have the N95 mask. If you, if you go around and you, you, you need a mask, get the N95 mask by 3M. Any case, I had it, but Heathrow had some big, had a big problem when I left. And in the, in the rigmarole of getting my bags... Onto the conveyor belt at Heathrow, I left my mask and I sat next to the sickest woman on the plane. And I now have a throat and chest cold that's ungodly. So I just want you to know that that's what's happening. Hopefully next week I'll be 100%. You know what I mean? And now we got to step into somewhat of a sad thing. You know, I had a great trip in London, but a really good and dear friend of mine for like the last 12, 13 years. Beverly Choice, also known as John O'Connell as Mama Bev, passed away. Um, really, really sad about that. She was a good friend and mentor of mine. But the main thing about Mama Bev um, was that she fed more human beings as one person than I ever knew. Than I ever knew. Uh, like out here in San Francisco, they have Glide Memorial Church. And I think they have like St. Anthony's Kitchen or whatever. Um Nobody fed as many people as her. She fed kids. We both, me, her, G, and Leo, and then later the homie Imani, we were the security team at John O'Connell High School, which is located uh, on 19th and Folsom in the Mission District, predominantly Latino area, um, beautifully culturally enriching, but sometimes have some wild stuff going on at the schools. In any case, Mama Bev was one of the security uh, team members there, but she really connected through people through food. Um, even though 
Um, technically, she probably wasn't allowed to make food. She made food for the kids who couldn't afford food, or she made extra food for kids who didn't like the school food. And um, a lot of times, to be honest, Mama Bev's meals were the only meals that kids were having in a day. You know, we don't talk enough about hunger and starvation in America. We rightly think about it when we think of Africa or different parts of Asia. Uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? But listen, you know, America has a, a, a starvation problem here, man. We have a lot of malnourished, undernourished kids here in these schools. And sometimes the school meal is the only thing that they have. And a lot of those meals, if we're being honest, you would never give that food to yourself. Nobody eats school food because they think it's dope unless you go to a rare school. I'm getting off topic. Mama Bev was a living saint. She taught me more about God's mercy, the mercy of the universe. More than anybody I ever knew. Because sometimes she would give... uh, Food to kids who were super rude, who were gang affiliated, who were acting a fool, who weren't doing good in class. And she's the one that taught me through her action. She didn't say it to me. I was watching her help a child. You know what I realized? Because teachers hate it when kids eat in class. But guess what? Starving students cannot study. I'm going to say it again. Starving students cannot study. So while a lot of these teachers hate it when the kids eat in class, they're not thinking about the fact that that hot Cheetos and drink is breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're starving. Anyway, Mama Bev passed away from lung cancer. She was a beautiful human being. She was a beautiful mother. She was a beautiful friend and auntie and grandma to so many kids, hundreds of kids, probably thousands if I'm being honest, thousands of kids to be honest. Um, and I love you, Mama Bev, and I and I and I miss you. And I cried so hard when I learned about it. I cried so hard, you know, uh, in London, and it took some serious um, time for me to get within myself and get support from my friends. Um, but I went to the funeral, and it was a beautiful service, and I'm very grateful. And the one the the one thing that I I walked away from. In this in this uh, severance of our of our friendship in terms of you know being here on earth is just that every time we spoke she always told me she loved me she wanted good things for me I always told her the same thing you know if I called her and I needed her she always called me back likewise so the solace that I got you know being in London five thousand miles away the solace that I got was that so many times I've seen people die before the each other have been able to say that I love you I care about you etc. We didn't have that problem. And that's the peace that I got. I felt that peace for the first time in my life. That someone knew how much I love them. And that I knew how much they love me. Right? And now she's gone. She's back with, with, with God, with the universe, however you, however you perceive it. And after some hard crying, I, I, I'm at peace. Before I went to her funeral, I listened to some stoic words by Seneca and by Marcus Aurelius and just looked at stoic perspectives on on what it means when people die and for the first time I went to a funeral and I didn't cry and I could be present for other people who were crying who were broken there were kids crying that place is hard filled with tears you know because she was a saint she was a saint so I'm gonna stop talking about Mama Bev but I'm gonna tell you right now that Beverly Stevens choice was a saint.
for sure. And I am so grateful for you. God bless you. And that's going to lead us into what? Y'all right. Heartbeat props. Heartbeat props are where we give thanks to people who have helped us uh, recently within the last month or two or last year. Maybe you haven't told somebody how much they mean to you. Heartbeat props is about making sure that um, you have that closure. That, But not even that. It's about making sure that people understand why you value them in your life. All right. So first to my boy Kamal out in Seattle, Kambui Jiu-Jitsu Seattle. Uh, on Instagram, he's at K-A underscore my underscore you. K-A underscore my underscore you. He teaches Jiu-Jitsu to uh, kids uh, in Seattle. He's a great guy. He's He's got a, he's a vegan. I'm not vegan. I always keep reminding people that. But I aspire to live a vegan lifestyle. Uh, and uh, he's great at recipes. He's great at how does he make his meals and stuff like that. He's a good dude. Solid dude. We've never met. But I feel close to him. We talk often and he's a friendly dude. and He's really wise and he wants to help people. This guy was like 300 pounds. 300 pounds. Now he's just crazy fit, helping people grow through jujitsu. Shout out to at Stefan Zoll, S-T-E-F-A-N-Z-O-L-L, uh, at Black Lab Jiu-Jitsu in, uh, in, in, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Man, this guy's a black belt under Ricardo Laborio. Good dude. There's an interview with him on the... Uh, on Bishop Chronicles, really good. I don't care what your level of jiu-jitsu is or if you love MMA. It's very important to learn how to be a warrior scholar. And Stefan is that. I just want to thank Stefan for spending a birthday dinner with me, him and Shafiq, and had a good time running around South London. You know what I mean? Um, and that was the day before he went back to Jeddah. So I just wanted to tell you, Stefan, I really appreciate you, um, your advice and your insights and your unique brand of comedy uh, are always welcome in my world, man. And then at MS Nicole underscore C. MS Nicole underscore C. Nicole is uh, a fantastic person on IG who has been posting some great things about meditation, about recovering from grief, about um, finding and developing your true self and I really appreciate her I've known her for a couple years but watching her on IG I've learned uh, a lot of positive things man and I appreciate you so now remember it is your job to call five people I'm sorry I'm messing you up you're calling three people talking to them for five minutes and just giving them a specific thing about how and why you appreciate them that's important okay heartbeat props and now the new Haiku of the week. This deals with my plane, my fear of flying planes. You know, I've talked a little bit about this before. I don't like flying, but I've been better at flying uh, the last year than I ever have in my life, man. Like, I used to clutch the seat, you know, white knuckles, ugh, breathing crazy, scared. And even sometimes when I was outwardly, like, not acting like that, I was feeling like that. Um... If you ever want a good laugh, listen to my interview with Grandmaster Flash. I talk a little bit about uh, when, when, when I went to D.C. to speak at this thing that he was at and the plane had the worst turbulence. I meditated the entire flight from here to D.C. 
meditated. And man, I got off. I was like Master Yoda. Um, so anyway, haiku. A haiku is a Japanese poem of three lines. The first line has five syllables. The second line has seven. And the, and the last line has five. Sometimes they rhyme. Sometimes they don't. Most of mine do. Um, it was storming the entire time I was in London. So, Mike, why don't you just give me some outdoor signs of a storm, but a storm that was so bad you wouldn't really be comfortable flying. Because that's how it was most of the time I was there. This is me getting on the plane, the haiku that I wrote before it took off. Looking at the rain. Afraid to get on this plane. Memento Mori. Oh, see that little stoic gem in there. Remember death. Here we go one more time. One more time. Listen, listen, listen. Looking at the rain. Afraid to get on this plane. Memento Mori. Oh. Anyway, the plane was, the, the flight was great. Shout out to Virgin Atlantic. You know what I mean? Virgin Atlantic is popping the most. I love flying Virgin Atlantic. Y'all need to stop playing and sponsor the Chronicles, boy. So anyway, this is about like hip-hop, health, and fitness, you know? Uh, that's what this particular episode is about. It's Black History Month. So first, I'm going to tell you something that I saw for myself, which was interesting. I saw a guy named Sensei Maeda. He is a master of key Aikido. And, you know, there's a, there's a term and a phrase. I think there used to be a website. I don't know if it exists on IG or if it's still a website. It was called Bullshido. Right? Not like Bushido. Bushido is the path of the warrior, the way of the warrior. Uh, Bullshido was where they would show phony martial artists getting beat up, right? Like they say they're cool, you know, da da da. Guys like, I got chi energy and I can make a flower levitate or like throw a guy through a wall without touching him. And these guys would be getting mopped up. Anyway, Ki Aikido, K I Aikido, is different than the whole Aikido that O Sensei, the founder of, of, of Aikido, made. You know, it's, it's a very popular art. It's a very beautiful art. Um, but one of the main students of Aikido under O Sensei, the, the founder, and I always champion the Book of Peace, look into getting that book, the Book of Peace. It is a short book and you should get it. Look into it on. Amazon and get the Shambhala version. I always tell you, versions matter. Get the Art of Peace. You can read that book in a day. It's not like the Art of War, you know, very condensed, very thick, very, man, Art of Peace. Anyway, his top student was Koichi Tohei. Tohei did Aikido, became the only 10th Don, and then this guy, Sensei Maeda, who lives here in the Bay, uh, he taught him Ki Aikido, which isn't about using the life energy. I have always believed and thought that Mostly like 75% of the people who talk about being in touch with nature and key and doing stuff. I thought it was all parlor tricks. I thought it was BS. I saw with my eyes and felt with my own body because I bear hugged this dude. And he said, okay, don't let me walk. Understand. I'm like, you know, I'm 204 right now. But at the time I saw this guy, I was probably like 215. I've been losing weight. Cloud scroll T. Look it up. Um... Dude, he dragged me around the room like I wasn't even there. I never felt that before. Um, I saw him with skilled 
Kyoko Shin fighters, skilled Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters, used one, used each hand had two fingers out and he could hold their arm to the mat and they couldn't get up. I'm telling you, I saw stuff that I only thought was possible on TV. I felt it, experienced it. Ki Aikido is real. Ki Aikido is real. And I want to shout out Dr. Peter Goldman at the SF Goldman on Instagram for showing, you know, he's been talking to me about this for a while, like a year or two. I saw it. It's real. Very real. Like, if you're into understanding that kind of martial art, you need to, you need to, you need to peep. So what am I listening to? You know, it's Black History Month. I'm listening to a lot of pro-black radical hip-hop, 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 rap music, boo. So now I'm quickly going to give you my top six black history raps of all times. All right. Uh, these are in random order. Proud to be Black by Run DMC. Great hip-hop history. I think it may be the first one that's deliberate about teaching hip-hop history. Two. Uh, you Must Learn by KRS-One. I actually, there are some things that Boogie Down Productions used to put out. I, I thought the beats were pretty whack. Um, this beat, I didn't like that much, but I thought the rap was amazing. Um, Black and Proud by Intelligent Hoodlum. Crazy good. Uh, Nature of the Threat by Razkaz. We don't really give the West Coast props for black history raps, but nature of the threat is out of control. Uh, the 18th letter, I am adding in by Rakim. Now, is that a straight black history song? Probably not. Um, the, the, I think, I was torn between that and the rap that he did called Who is God? Right? Talking about like black theology. Right? But the 18th letter is amazing to me because that embodies to me what I think is like the purest form of hip-hop education when you're really just busting dope rhymes, but then you weave authentic uh, black history into it, right? Like my man said, date back, I go beyond, check the Holy Quran, the speech is at the Autobahn, now we get our party on, hard. Ooh, are you watching that? My Who assassinated Malcolm X stuff on uh, Netflix? Fire, don't sleep. Um, finally, uh, my, my black history rap, uh, is, and I think this is in chronological order, Fact Not Fiction by E-40, give him his props. Fact Not Fiction by E-40, give him his props. West Coast, Bay Area Hip Hop, dropping black history, stop playing. Make sure that not only you play that, but you play that stuff for your kids, right? Because that's important, that they understand hip hop can be a teaching tool. You know what I'm saying? It is supposed to be fun, but it can be a teaching tool. So now we're going to get into health raps. You know what I'm saying? Um, my top six health raps, right? Because it's about hip-hop really triggering so much health and fitness in hip-hop in the world. In the world. You ain't getting all this vegan movement without hip-hop, man. You tripping. So listen. You ain't getting all this vegetarian stuff. You ain't getting all these workouts, all these online bartenders. Huh? Man, that's hood stuff. That's hip-hop stuff. Before that, the Rough Riders. Remember when the Rough Riders used to be all about that health and fitness? Remember? Come on, stop playing. I think that even dates, predates bartenders, man. Um, so let's stop playing. Stickman, RBG Fit Club. Man, I was looking. I may be late on paying attention to him using this term. I never heard him say Stickman, S-T-I-C, by the way. 
from Dead Prez, right? Um, that boy said Fit Hop. F-I-T. Fit Hop music. Come on, man. Stop playing. Listen to what I tell you. No other form of music on the planet celebrates health and fitness like hip hop. And you can't have this conversation without having or acknowledging the role that Islam plays in hip hop. The work of Malcolm X, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, impacted so many of the early rappers in the 70s and 80s that like not eating pork, considering vegan, vegetarian uh, lifestyles, removing beef from your diet. This stuff is early in hip hop, late 80s, early 90s, man. Back in the day when I first became Muslim, they used to say you can always tell a Muslim because they always read the ingredients of what they eat. So let's look chronologically at some of the stuff that I found um, to be powerful in hip-hop that deals with health and fitness. First, Beef by KRS-One. I still remember I used to work at um, Tower Records in San Mateo. It's not there anymore. It used to be on El Camino. It's like a computer outlet store or something, but used to be Tower Records. I remember when Edutainment came out and I heard that song, I was totally blown away and it has had a big impact on my life. Just on awareness. How much awareness? But that is also a song that I think has a horrible beat. That's one of the worst beats for one of, that's one of the worst beats in hip hop for one of the best raps in hip hop. Ooh, that'd be a good list, huh? Rappers that like killed bars but had trash beats. Anyway, Beef. Swiney Swiney by Moni Love. People forget, like one of the first big movements in hip-hop health was getting rid of pork. And the role that Moni Love played, massive. Um, West Coast Cam, K-A-M, the stereotype off the album Never Again. Great song about how what you eat impacts your health. Ridiculous good. Dead Prez, be healthy, man. That's one of that's a classic favorite. You know what I mean? Love Dead Prez. They were probably a pioneer of the vegan movement outside of KRS One uh, on wax. You know what I mean? KRS One. I don't think he spoke too much as much vegan as vegetarian, but I mean KRS One's huge on that pioneer for sure. Um, back on my regiment. Great workout song. Uh, that, that really got me back, you know, when I, when I came out the hospital with my, uh, after my two, uh, blood transfusions, that was one of the songs I kept on repeat back on my regimen. I could get swole like Tukey did. Whoa. Um, and then I just want to acknowledge the role that RZA of Wu-Tang and Common specifically, um, played not only in keeping these kind of concepts in some of the raps, like you've heard lines here and there, you know what I mean? Um, but being vegan, working with PETA and stuff like that, I think it's huge, man. I think it's beautiful. I think it's great for these kids, right? And it's hard because, you know, people say, well, you know, if I'm honest, like, I was drinking Brass Monkey because of the Beastie Boys in high school. I was drinking 40s because of Run DMC. And we don't like to admit that if hip-hop can have that kind of impact, it can also help you eat better. It can also help you want to exercise. It can also help you, you know what I'm saying, uh, do a lot of good for yourself and the planet. And, you know, uh, hip-hop is beautiful for that reason. So I want to thank all the artists that I just listed. Um, and I encourage you to go listen to some of those tracks, man, and look at how beautiful hip-hop is, man. This is a beautiful uh, art form, man. 
That's why I tell you all the time, hip-hop is a weapon. It is a weapon against the state, any state, against the negative mind state that a lot of us carry around, man. How many of us have been inspired by hip-hop, man? That's why I get sad when I look at a lot of today's rap, not to hate on the youngsters, but I don't hear and see any much that's inspiring. I mean, Rhapsody is inspiring. Um, Brother Ali can be inspiring, very inspiring. Um... But we need to be seeking out more inspirational hip-hop. Not on some fake stuff, but on some high-end motivation stuff. Tupac, Eminem, I find them inspiring. But anyway, I want you to remember that if anybody challenges you on this idea of hip-hop and health, challenge them. Say, you know what? Show me what is the rock equivalent of beef. Show me the the, the classical uh, equivalent of back on my regiment. Show me. you can't. They can't do it. Show me blues. Show me R&B. No, bro. Hip-hop. What am I watching? You know what I watched while I was in London? Uncut Gems. Hard. You know what else I watched? Uh, Dolomite. Hard. Great job, everybody. Um, you know what I read? I read uh, a prequel. If you love, love uh, Wu-Tang, right? Uh, uh, the beginning of Jizz's album, Liquid Swords, right? Uh, is like a Lone Wolf and Cub, right? Shogun Assassin. Uh, my boy Shafiq. Shout out to Shafiq in London town, know what I mean? Yo, laced me with Samurai Executioner, the prequel to Shogun Assassin. I didn't even know it existed until the last time I visited London. He gave me five graphic novels. I read five graphic novels in five days. No joke. No joke. Now I'm, now I'm totally addicted. We're going to talk about that more later. Um, quick word about the murder of Pop Smoke. I want to talk. I wrote something about Pop Smoke's murder on hiphopchess.blogspot.com. Hiphopchess.blogspot.com. I've been keeping that uh, kind of quiet the blog because I used to be writing a bunch of stuff but I got away from it because I got sick and everything else now I'm good I'm writing regularly there you'll find two or three pieces up there dealing with chess and hip-hop and health and fitness uh, but I wrote about Pop Smoke's murder um, and I just want to say that I'm really sad about it I'm not going to pretend that I was the biggest fan of his work but he is dope hard to front on at all um, you know but I do want to talk to the young people real quick I mean, I mean, uh, for real, like this whole thing about Pop Smoke is really deep to me because, I mean, we just did the episode on Juice World, right? I mean, we just did that episode, right? I'm still not over the Jacka. We just talked about him two episodes back, right? We're, I'm still not over Nipsey Hussle. Have you listened to the Nipsey Hussle episode? Like this thing of like young black death and hip hop is really... It's it's traumatizing to me as a father, as a lover of hip hop, as someone who said, oh, you know, we're the culture keepers. We're the ones that keep it in order. We're the OGs. If we're the OGs, we failing, man. If we the OGs, we failing. And don't say, oh, the music's different. It's not different. It's not different. You know what I'm saying? I was raised on NWA. I was raised on Too Short. I was raised on a Two Live crew. I went to them shows when I wasn't supposed to, but I did it. I listen to that music. You know what I'm saying? I still am a decent human being and out here wilding and, and, and doing insane stuff. But we're not letting these, we, we, we can't let these young, we can't as OGs say that we love hip hop and we the culture keepers and watch these young boys die. If you the OG, what you leading them to? 
Unless you ain't really leading them. Right now, a lot of people, and nobody want to have this conversation in hip-hop, a lot of you OGs just like to wear the Kangos and the Adidas and the jackets and talk about how these youngsters is whack, but you don't talk to the youngsters. Not from a place of love. You don't teach them. You don't mentor them. And that's why they're killing each other. Because nobody was really mentoring us, right? It was all new. It was tied to street stuff. We weren't all, you couldn't tell the lines with the industry in the streets. You couldn't always tell. And we, we, we lost beautiful people, man. Like Big and Pac, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like JMJ, bro. Like, like hella people, man. You ever just look up like list of dead rappers, man? You just want to cry, bro. We got to do better. This ain't right, man. You know? Now, on a street level, do I know how street he was? I don't know. I like it. Yo, his songs are dope. And they're hella violent. And, you know, uh, it, it can have some rowdy street-related stuff. Was he that dude? I don't really know. I don't know him like that. All I can tell you is this. One of the problems with the argument that culture keepers like myself and lovers of, of hip-hop uh, struggle with is this argument for balance in the music that it's not about whether or not Pop Smoke um, was in the streets or not but a lot of the early street rappers also spoke against police brutality they they would have a few lines about about uh, 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 the presidents whatever a lot of gangster rappers talk crazy about the streets and they talk bad about politicians and now it's just syrup it's just chicks it's just strip clubs it's just right so pop smoke it's my understanding he was muslim i think his name was like bashar baraka jackson that's islam what was he a practicing muslim we don't know did he know how to pray? We don't know. Did he just have a Muslim dad and a Muslim name or a Muslim mom and then he got adopted or something? We don't know. At least I don't know. When I say we, I'm talking about me. Some of y'all could be there like, bloody, I thought you knew. I don't know. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm saying like public enemy, KRS1, Paris, talking about Black History Month. If you don't listen to the devil made me do it, you betrayed yourself for Black History Month. If you ain't listening to Paris, boy. But um, what I'm saying is like they got this idea called checking in with the homies. Right, and you hear gangsters use it all the time. Yo, if you come from out of state or out of the city, yo, you gotta check in. Yo, you gotta check in. Let me tell you what checking in used to mean in hip hop and how it's changed. The short version is back in the day, if you came to town and you didn't know what was what, they had a spot called a uh, uh, music emporium, an ocean and mission. Right, it was ran by this guy named Joe and his wife, and a lot of hip hop happened up out of there. Uh, when big stars would come to town, they would connect with local stars. And those local stars would usually help them get around if they didn't know what was up. Da, da, da. And it created this symbiotic relationship. You know, because the artists, they wanted to check in with the local scene, know what was going on, know who was who, know what was what. And also it kept them out of danger. Oh, y'all going away? Okay, well let me go with you or make sure you don't go to that store because at that store this gang hangs out and these fools might try and come see you. The people who did that right are like Gangstar. Guru and Premier had a whole family of people in the Fillmore District, which is a notoriously violent area back in the day. But DJ, Premier, and Guru, well-connected here in the Bay. Always been well-connected. The, 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 the Fillmore used to be the jazz center of the Bay Area, too. 
Okay, so uh, uh, Premier used to come out, go record hunting and all of that, digging in crates, etc. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Chuck D, always in the more conscious era of hip hop in the early '80s and late late '90s, late '80s, early '90s. Um, he was connected to a lot of Black Panther people, OGs. Uh, he was connected to a lot of uh, young activists and things like that. The young Muslim community, right? Uh, Brand Nubian. I wrote a story for Brand Nubian for The Source back in the day. Mary J. Blige was on the cover. But uh, I was in L.A. I've talked to you about meeting ODB and stuff. I met ODB because I was out there covering Brand Nubian for The Source. Lord Jamar, Sadat X, right? Very well connected to the Grape Street Watts Crips. And I wrote about that extensively. They looked out for Brand Nubian. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's East Coast, West Coast. So let's downplay a lot of the East Coast, West Coast beef. There has been bias, and I'm always against the bias when I talk about the dubs, when I've been throwing West Said. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not doing that because I hate East Coast. I'm doing that because the bias has hurt how we acknowledge and understand the history. But Brand Nubian and Lord Jamar did a great job. I'll tell you who else does a good job with that stuff. Andre Nicotina. Raka, Dilated Peoples. Wu-Tang Clan, one of the best networks in hip-hop. When you look at their legacy, no one thinks about how good their network is individually and collectively and how they how they maximize that. They're never getting into stuff on local areas because they're connected in local areas to artists and street people. And that matters in hip-hop, you know? And then finally, I just want to say again, as OGs, we got to do better. Pop Smoke deserved better mentors. Maybe he didn't accept mentors. Like I've also talked, some artists are hard-headed. They don't accept mentors, right? I know he showed his address on IG, and they're saying that that's probably the reason that these people could get to him. Did he have gang problems in LA? I don't know. What I don't want is a situation where West Coast artists go out to New York, and then they start getting hurt. We can't have that. And the 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 one of the biggest crimes in hip-hop news recently, one of the biggest crimes in hip-hop news recently is the reconciliation between E-40 and Richie Rich. They had some online back and forth after the Super Bowl where it looks like friendly banter became like taken seriously and people started getting upset. And if you know 40 and if you know Richie Rich, they're both well-connected to the streets and that could have spun out really bad. But salute to E-40, salute to Richie Rich. They squashed beef in about seven to 10 days. They got online, let people know. How is it? That these dudes aren't on the front page of every website and every magazine that's getting ready to come out. And this was done in Black History Month, man. Y'all need to be celebrating these OGs for being a better example to the young people. But they not. And this is why I don't like corporate radio. And this is why I don't like corporate magazines, man. Because they don't celebrate when brothers get it right. But if E-40 and Richie Rich would have killed each other, they'd be all on everything you'd like to see right now. And on that note, the West Side Player Player, Adisa the Bishop, baby. How you living? I'm out. Listen to this interview with T Cash. T Dash Cash. Yo, this is my boy, my brother for real. Listen. He came to me many years ago. He's a dope rapper, first of all. You need to go listen to uh uh, brains all over the street, but really you need to listen to Turf War Syndrome, which identified PTSD in the hood long before any of these fools that's talking about it right now. Believe that.
Go listen to Turf War Syndrome, the song and the album, but listen to the intro to Turf War Syndrome. My man was produced by Paris. Yes, not Paris Hilton. The Paris that made the devil made me do it. You got to understand what I'm talking about. This is West Coast pro-black excellence that I'm trying to guide you toward. You understand? Anyway, when I met him, he was like 260, maybe a little bit over. He asked me to help him. I gave him some basic workouts. That man is walking around around 170. T Cash, this dude is hella bright. He made crazy dope albums, still connected to the community like I just talked about. And then he went to Berkeley City College, turned that into going to UC Berkeley and turned that into a degree in linguistics. We're talking about hip hop, health and fitness. Me and T Cash right now, Bishop Chronicles. This is it, Farside TV. That's what I'm talking about. Follow the OG at Bishop Chronicles. Follow at Real Hip Hop Chess. Let's get fit. Let's stay wise together. Let's stay connected and let's win. Peace. Peace to the planet Earth. You know what it is. Decent Banjoko, a.k.a. the Black Dragon of the West Side. You know what it is, man. We out here chilling. It's the Black Cortez Killer. And I always bring the realest dudes on the show. I've got the one and only T Cash on the show. The base finest was happening. Chilling. What's up, man? So, T Cash, man, like, you know, for those that are aware and some that aren't, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. T Cash, been on the mic, repping Oakland, repping Sacktown. Kind of, sort of. You know, I had that duality growing up, man, just between Oakland and the Sacramento area, not just the city. Yeah. The Delta, uh, Southern area, a little farther than South Sacramento, mm-hmm. like maybe between Stockton. So you could say like Elk Grove yeah. today. But yeah, yeah, yeah. even before all of that, you know, just, yeah. just Sacramento. In, in, you know what I'm in saying? General. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we we dealing with the guy whose album Turf War Syndrome, you know what I'm saying, like really outlined PTSD in the hood before people even started acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that album was put out on Gorilla Funk, which was, Label owned by Paris. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? If you remember, I ain't talking about Hilton. I'm talking about the <laughs> devil made me do it. You understand yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying, Bush Killer. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Black Panther of rap. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he was basically a one-man West Coast public enemy, Correct. essentially. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. Like, if you yeah. know those times and there's nobody, yeah, nobody that'll dispute that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um and you did a lot of work with Paris. You toured a lot yeah. of places with Paris. Correct. Um, man, what are you working on now? And how's your life in general, inside and outside of hip-hop? You know what? Life is good all around, inside and outside of hip-hop. I think inside of hip-hop, just with respect to your audience and, mm-hmm. and people listening who, you know, like, yo, man, where where you been? Um, not too far. Right. Away from the mic. Supreme Leader 3 is available now on Apple Music, Dope. all digital pla- uh, platforms. And the uh, Gorilla Funk catalog is still available online, different yeah. mediums. Yeah. Um, as far as Molotov music, some of the early gangster rap yeah, yeah, yeah. that I put out, not too much. And there's right. nothing negative about that. I'm proud it's of not. everything I ever put out. But right. am I like holding those CDs to the same standard, holding those same early projects, you know, Bomb Threat, Funk Affiliated. Brains All Over the Street was a dope one, though. (laughs) You know what? It was. I think that, honestly, by the time that came out, my hip-hop, I wouldn't say hip-hop career, but by uh, by the time Brains All Over the Streets came out, 
my involvement with hip hop in general was pretty much dead on arrival because mm-hmm. I was so exhausted on a lot of different levels. Just emotionally and stuff? Like for, the- for starters. I mean, yeah. I, this is what I can tell people. When you really become successful in hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. You really make, you really get money, mm-hmm. right? We did, I did that. When you really have a name, you really mm-hmm. get recognition. Um, it, it doesn't, the fun doesn't last too long. Interesting. Right? So the the therapeutic aspect of the art form is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But at that time, when I say hip hop, I mean hip hop as an artist, also pertaining to uh, participating in the industry. Right. Okay. And at that time, brains all over the streets. I remember recording the end of it like in hotel rooms mm-hmm. because we were on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember being very, very homesick. I, my mm-hmm. daughter was uh, like two years old, three yeah. years old. My son was just born. Yeah. So I was still transitioning from young guy, rocking the mind. Yeah, yeah. So there was an interpersonal void. Correct, correct. Right. And I remember, it's, it's funny you brought that up. Um, I remember being on a, on a train from Oslo, Norway mm-hmm. to Trondheim, mm-hmm. uh, Norway, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Pardon. Some someone in Trondheim is like, did this fool just say Norway? Yeah, I did. <laughs> right. So long story. We had been, and I'm grateful for this tour. This was probably one of the best experiences I've I've okay. had in hip hop yeah. with respect to my days with the coup. Yeah. Shout out to P Dog. Shout out to coup. P and the and the coup. But again, you know, I'm I'm gonna keep it, you know, yeah. completely solid with you. That experience was probably the the epitome, the pinnacle mm. of my career. Um so I was on a train from Oslo, Norway to Trondheim, Norway. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of different things. I think the tour bus broke down. So we had to catch this train. And mm-hmm. it was like, yo, man, the train is, you know, it's coming. And I was just really stressed out. You know, I just kind of started feeling the stress of the industry side of hip hop really encroaching on me. And I remember being on that train ride. And it was this beautiful scenic ride, man. It was like snow. And yeah. I was waiting for like Keebler elves to come out and throw cookies at yeah. me and shit. Like, yo, you want some cookies, man? I mean, it was yeah. one of those like. It was dope. You know what I mean? And do you know what I thought about? As, as, as postcard perfect as that scenery was, guess what I thought about? You just want to be with your daughter. I, correct. I just want to be able to wake up and take my daughter and my son and my wife to like Zachary's Pizza in, yep. in Berkeley. And get us a, a thin and, slice of cheese and just sit maybe them down a root beer. And maybe maybe a deep dish, right? Yeah, so I, you, know what I'm saying? you know, and people listen to this, they might say, "Well, what the hell are you talking about, man? Yeah. You got a chance to rock yeah, the that's, mic." And, that's the dream, right? That's you the live dream, in it. correct? But then other dreams appear, mm. right? That are probably more vivid, more um, more engaging, and I wanted to make that a reality, man. You know, Wait a minute, you know are you saying? telling me that it's bigger than hip hop? It sure is, my friend. Wow. And that's what happened with me. Well, that's one of the main That was kind examples. of the opening of the door. The opening, right. Um, and and I, think, I think the second one was uh, education, right? So education and health and fitness, health mm-hmm. and wellness as well. But I think around that time, 2008, 2009, um, I started going back to, to City College, yep. to Peralta Schools, Berkeley City College to be exact. And... Um, I just wanted an AA. I wanted right. an associate's degree. I didn't really care about any four-year mm-hmm. degrees. I wanted a better job, right? Right. So I wanted like California will Calif- do that to you. Yeah, you just want a better job. I wanted a better job. I was a security guard um, for almost twenty-five years. Right? Hold on, real quick. Yeah. You also got to remember to see, like, you guys, you can't see Tommy. Yeah. You can't see him. You can't see T Cash <laughs> right here. <laughs> he said but, Tommy. But but yeah. how how much did you weigh when I met you? Because I met, met you in like, yeah. oh... It was like, oh, five. 
Yeah. 06. Yeah, 0506. 0506. Yeah. Side note. Yes. 0506, Bay Area Rap Summit. I got into a fight at the Bay Area Rap I Summit. I remember we met. that. In San Jose? No, it was in Oakland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. Oakland one you was wild. Happened. It was my... So I was a part of that, that wild. That was hella wild. I remember that, was, that day. That, you know what? I was still on some, like, Detroit Red, man. I was yeah. just... It, I just wasn't there yet. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to um, the rapper uh, Sideways. Right, mm-hmm. me and him. Well, it wasn't even a real feud. Mm-hmm. It was at the Bay Area Rap Summit when you met me. Mm-hmm. I, we had just like exchanged some blows, man. Because I like, Damn. yeah, I did a diss song about him. Right, oh, okay. But I respect it though. Right. He saw me. He was like, "Yo, what up? You know, big. You know, as and it, it was on, as it should be. Yeah, and we went yeah, back yeah. And, forth, and it was nothing. That's after what that. young brothers do sometimes. That's what we did. Yeah, but shout out Sideways. I'm shout so, out to Sideways, Plow. Just for real. For no, real. I'm serious. No, no diss, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because. That's how far away I was from, I wouldn't say who I am now more than who you were capable of being. Correct. And who, and that's how far away you were from your potential. Correct. Correct. And when I met you and Mm -hmm. I met, and I kind of reconnected with brother miles and, uh, and JT and everybody was there and I was like, yo man, Hey, what's going on? It was at that point where I said, you know what? I think that. This whole scenario, because it wasn't just what happened with mm-hmm. me. It was, it was that a entire, lot. That yeah, entire it wasn't just, vibe. Yeah, it was that whole vibe was. Like, I was surprised people didn't get shot at that thing. I ain't gonna me lie to too. you. I thought people were gonna get clapped. Like <laughs> I was I, steady waiting yeah, for the. Yeah. Can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I be? Can I be honest with mm-hmm. you and your listeners? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I didn't get shot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because again, I, I talked a lot of shit, man. I I did a. I talked a lot of shit. I pressed a lot of people between 1990. Eight mm. and two thousand and five, mm-hmm. right? I participated in a lot of un, in a lot of unhealthy, negative, toxic activities through in a, the streets in the in the streets in hip hop. Now, people would think, well, you know, were you really doing all that shoot 'em up, bang bang shit you were mm. talking about in your songs, Molotov music, mm. mm-hmm. right? No, absolutely not. Okay, well, what are you saying? What I'm saying is. Did I participate in a lifestyle that was slowly eroding my moral conscience Mm. and turning me towards Mm -hmm. a lifestyle outside of hip hop that involved rioting, all of that, shooting, killing motherfuckers? Absolutely. Yeah. God damn it. And that is what I'm speaking towards. The height of that, Mm. that pinnacle, 2005 at that Bay Area rap song. Yeah. So, just to stay back on track, when you first met me, sir, I was um, 264 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, blessed to have kept it off now for about 10 years. Almost. Now, how much you weigh right now? Stepped on the scale this morning. Oh, no, yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. 178. Look at that. Yeah. Well, look, can... at, look at what yeah. a man can do. Correct. When you have the right resources and the right mindset and you believe that something other than your five senses can uh, can guide you towards where you should be. Yeah. Now, not only that, you know, he was talking about Berkeley City, but he didn't mm-hmm. tell you that he got that degree from Berkeley yet. He didn't <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, you yeah, that yeah, part. Yeah, we could t- <laughs> what, what is that degree in, sir? I have a degree in linguistics from UC Berkeley. Right. Correct. So here's a man who just miles away from UC Berkeley several years prior. Yeah. Yeah. Was squabbing <laughs> and damn near getting himself or and yeah, other people yeah. shot. <laughs> well, uh, right? Tell okay. the truth. <laughs> okay, so here's what I would do. 
like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate. I can't I'm no, just talking no, about I'm just talking on, about man. the polarity. I'm talking about it, it, looking yeah, looking looking at where you was and where you are. You hear me? No, you know what it is. I know that there might be a lot of listeners who still actually really believe and will not let go of the assumption that right you started all of that. T Cash, you you were the main factor and figure when it comes to. You know, North Oakland. He kicked up a lot of dust. Thank you. I, and I'd leave it at that. Yeah. Here's what I'd also say real quick. Definitely giving a shout out to everybody from 43rd Market Street who took that same formula and ran with it mm-hmm. in their own way. We're going to take something that was toxic, unhealthy, not good for us. And flip and now, it. And flip it. And now we're working class people. We're holistic people, yeah. healing people, right? And we didn't have to necessarily change or assimilate mm. to to uh, and I'm just gonna say it a more a more white. You didn't have to lose your natural self you to didn't be have, great. Correct. You didn't have to lose yourself to be yourself, mm. right? So you all know who you are. Rest in peace, Avery Washington, King Junie the Great. Word. And that was my younger cousin. Yeah. Right? But he still felt like my big cousin. Yeah. Um, we all miss you. But yes, right down the street from Berkeley City College and UC Berkeley, um, a lot of different um, activities I took place in. And I think around that time when I went back to school, the polarity got deeper. Mm. I think in 2008 is when I, excuse me, <coughs> is, is when I... When I returned to higher education after about 10 years of being away. Now, what kept you away? Let's talk about that. I can tell you exactly what kept me away. I remember when I first graduated high school, I graduated from Oakland Tech in 2000, excuse me, in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a massive anxiety attack brought on by drinking too much caffeine in one, in one period. Mm-hmm. And I went to the hospital and, uh, and my mom drove me to the hospital. She was like, you know, we're going to get you right and everything. And the doctor was like, you should just relax and try to scale down your life mm-hmm. because the stress you're going through is too much. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I took that like verbatim. And at the time, the, the transition from high school to college that was stressful. Right. And I associated that with a factor that could lead to me being in the hospital again right. through an anxiety attack. But it wasn't until years later I didn't I understood caffeine intake and what mm. that does. Right. And um But you internalize it as a full blown panic as a, attack. As a full blown panic attack. That was attack. a result of trying to Stress. pursue college. Correct. Okay. Trying to pursue college, trying to trying to live and adjust after high school, trying to basically grow and advance uh, into the next phase of my mm-hmm. life as, as a young man. Mm-hmm. So I had to do the scaled back version because yeah. the doctor said right. it was healthier. Right. And that was super scaled back. So I just, I barely wanted a job. So you were you just, know? you were just barely trudging along. Correct. Correct. So school was just not the lick. So was that, was that incident that happened the turning point? Mm. Like you say, okay, you know, you bumped into me, brother Miles yeah, and some yeah, other people. Yeah, right. So what did the beginning of that turning point uh, feel like? Okay. And then like, can yeah, you, can you yeah. run us through it? Yes. Um, so the beginning of that turning point after the Bay Area Hip Hop Summit felt like something was going on mm-hmm. that I couldn't understand or explain, but I wanted to have continue. Mm-hmm. So I participated in activities that promoted that. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do you mean? I mean that I started going to the Nation of Islam 
temple meetings, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Mosque number 26, shout out uh, Minister Christopher, Brother Miles. I started going to to um, Zaytuna when it was still in, in Hayward. Hayward. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, before it was Zaytuna before College, college it was correct. Zaytuna Institute. Yeah, man. Yeah. I started to hang around. I started talking to Paris a little bit more. Just, you know, Turf War Syndrome had mm-hmm. uh, not been released yet. Yeah. But I just started to absorb the spirit of the times. And that and, and the times were very, very pre-Islamic. Hey, real right? quick. Yeah, man. Just for the listeners, man, like if you're unfamiliar with T Cash's work, yeah. I absolutely demand <laughs> that you do two things. Yeah. Truly. Demand. You need you need to listen to Turf War Sin the Turf War intro. That's one of the best intros ever done in the history of hip hop. And I'm not mm. even playing. That's in the top five intros. Appreciate for it. For real. Thank you. And then the song Turf War Syndrome, and you got to understand that this came out in 2006. Yeah. When we talk about hip-hop education, I often tell you that one of the things that separates hip-hop apart from rock, from, from jazz, from even spoken word to a degree, is that rap music is the only music that intends to make the listener smarter at the end of the song than they entered it. Correct. Right? And that is something serious that we can never forget. Mm-hmm. This song, Turf War Syndrome, again, I'm talking about 2006. We're just now having conversations about what it means to be a kid living in a war zone like Oakland or Compton or, or the Bronx and how that's going to impact our education. Right. And when we have these conversations, the reason why I get pissed off about it mm. when everybody wants to use hashtag hip hop ed Mm. is that no one's listening to the black men living this who know what their experience and speak right. to it. Right. They either get attacked or ignored. And this album was not given its proper due, as brilliant as it was. And that song in particular, this is a great album, but that song in particular, um, really fantastic, man. Really Thank fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you're you're bouncing around Zaytuna Institute and yeah. you are uh, bouncing over at Moss Twenty Six. Yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, I'm just observing and I'm listening, mm-hmm. right? And I met another brother. I forgot his last name, but if you are really from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. Black people to be exact, mm-hmm. then you know or know of Brother Jahara. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Met that brother at KPFA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I and he said something to me that stood out. Because I was uh, in the process of bringing my nephew into my home. God bless my sister. She's no longer here anymore. Rest and in uh, peace, man. My rest son. in peace. And my sister passed away, but at the time she was still alive mm-hmm. and she struggled with addiction. And my nephew, it just wasn't working out where he mm-hmm. was. He was mm-hmm. living like with his like, step grandmother. I said, right, right, right. What's going like, on here? Yeah, several, yeah, I was like, several, several, several layers removed. Right, 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 right. So I was like, nah, man, come on, come on, come on. What, I don't know right. what's going on I'm here. I'm going to take you in, dog. Correct. And, um, so around that time, I said something ab- about coincidence or something like that, or just my luck or something like that, mm-hmm. to Jahara. Mm-hmm. And, he, and if you know him, he said, he, he looked at me, he had the coldest face ever, but, but not like me. Yeah, but like, yeah. He had just like, the realist. Right, the realist, right. He said, there's no such thing as coincidence, brother, only divine intervention. I said, oh, yeah, right. Oh. I mean, you know, so that was the first time. That was time. the spiritual Molotov yeah. hit you yeah, in the head. Right. So I was like, like so I said, divine intervention. Oh, snap. Here is probably where I might lose a few of your listeners, depending on <laughs> right. who they, where they at, where they at. I might, you might be like, you know what? 
Huh? Yeah, wow. gas. But right. this is where it's going to get a little, um, there's going to be a little uh, balsamic on, right. your, on your ice cream. Right, okay? right. Um, I went on a tour called the Not Your Soldier Tour mm. in 2006. Okay. And it was me. It was the coup. Mm-hmm. It was Ice Life. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the Ice artist. Life. Shout out Ice Life. Yeah. And dude. he and um and it was a tough tour for a lot of different reasons. I won't say why. Yeah. It's nothing against, you know, boots or nothing like that. Right. But it was just a tough tour, right? R.I.P. DJ Pan Function. Absolutely. And there's a song that I have on my current album supreme yeah. leader three called yeah. damn pam mm, I right love pam i miss her so much man. same here same here so oh six and this tour was just a nightmare for me mm. right and i appreciated boots for allowing me to be yeah, on the on bill the yeah. on the tour but in the beginning everything that could have went wrong pretty much went did. absolutely wrong absolutely wrong and over time things started to correct themselves and I, I automatically thought back to what he said as maybe this is divine intervention. Mm-hmm. I had no resources. I had zero frame of mind or reference on how to make things right. Yeah. And they were constantly being corrected. Yeah. And this is different be, from like with respect to people who think like there's a wishful spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it out in the universe and like, mm-hmm. maybe we'll give it back. You know? mm-hmm. Wow. You know what I mean? This is when Whole Foods in it. Kind of. Kind of, brother. Kind of. Okay. This is this was different. This was this this was um, like something other than my five something that's not a thing per se, right? No Latin root res. Right. Okay. Something that's we're calling thing, but not a thing. Right. Started to intervene. Mm -hmm. Okay. And correct what was wrong and create what should be on the on the platform of success that I needed to make that tour run. And by the end of the tour, man, four thumbs up from me. But I could not help but to think about meeting you, meeting Brother Miles, right. all of this Islam that I was around all right. of a sudden. It's like, yo, okay. So, pause. I'm just loop-de-dooing through life. Right. And then I remember you asked me a question. I don't know if you remember this. He said, hey, man, you ever thought about converting to Islam? You know what's funny? Yeah. I remember that. I remember where I was standing. I was standing in Marshall Park in Fremont, California on my cell phone with my kids, watching my kids play. Got it. I remember asking you that. Yeah. And the only reason I remember that is because most people who actually know me in my Mm day-to-day don't even know I'm Muslim. Same. Most people yeah, don't. Same here. Same here. Because I'm not yeah, yeah. one of these dudes that comes in the room. <laughs> yeah. Bismillah, brothers. In yeah, yeah, the yeah. name of Allah, the Be- one true divine <laughs> I- that has made this table possible, this chair that has made right. the blinds on the windows possible. Right. Let us give thanks to the one and only. I don't do that. Right. right? I come in. I'm hella silly. You know what I'm saying? I'll disrespect your mom. I'll shove somebody oh. down the stairs. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm ridiculous. And so in the space of my life, I think I've asked four people. 
Yeah. In my life. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about converting to Islam? Because I don't mm-hmm. really think it's my job to convert anybody. In fact, I'm sure yeah. it's not. Right. So I really don't. Yeah. The main reason I asked you that, to be honest, is because yeah. there were some things on your album that made me think you were. Co- right. So, and that was it. So I was yeah. like, if he's not Muslim, Have he you might ever consider. Thought about- yeah. yeah. And that was it. So, okay. So here's where I went with that. I thought about it and I said, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that like for a, for a while. And I just thought about it mm. and I couldn't help but to think about like naturally Islamic divine intervention. Mm. Um, another thing I was feel, I felt really, we might m- maybe be kind of encroaching into another part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I felt really alone mm-hmm. and lonely mm-hmm. when it came to being a new father, mm-hmm. a new African American Filipino father that that wanted to be proactive in the in the life of my daughter, right, right, and my nephew. That's a huge thing. Yeah, and for uh, any father, correct. And and I and I just I could I couldn't get over how so how so many people were very very sincere. Yeah. And encouraging yeah. towards towards that. Yeah. But they also had an well, I wouldn't say them specifically. I think that society in general, they being no exception, right. came with an undertone of apathy mm-hmm. when it comes to like, yeah, wow. You mean so apathy cool. toward toward your towards, situation or apathy toward your choice of faith? Well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say both. Mm-hmm. Apathy towards the holistic wellness for a black man who people still ain't used to that. Right. Who, who shout out to dead prayers. Right. <laughs> it was a certain undertone, not, not a big one, not right. intentional, but it was just there. It was benign. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was this undertone of apathy for, for a black man, Filipino man, mm-hmm. a Pacific Islander mm-hmm. man, of, a man of color mm-hmm. trying to not become what society can pretty much engineer you to be at this and t- at does, this point, boy, right? White supremacy, Neely right? Fuller Jr. Google yeah. it. Okay, so so at that time, the biggest um, the biggest iteration of that mm. that I wanted to to live as was mm. a father. Right. I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be the dad that my dad wasn't, and I love my dad. We have a great relationship now, but at the time. We began to communicate because I wanted to know, like, yeah. was it always like this? Right. What was there a day where you were so happy, and like before my mm. parents got divorced? Mm. So there was this, and still is this determination to mm. just break that cycle. Right. At that time, I remember going to the Nation of Islam uh, mosque number twenty six mm. in San Francisco. I remember being around you, mm. other people, and I just remember how happy and healthy. These men, people were and looked, were and looked. Right, that's a difference, Cor- man. Correct, correct. Were and so, looked, man. Right. Proof was in the pudding. Yeah. Okay. And I said, man, I, I don't know what it is about these guys, but I just need to stay around this. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't know, you know, I no lay lay none right. of that. Not, not, not yet. looking, not looking for conversion. Right. I just need, you know what it, you know what it was. I just needed to internalize something other than what I had at the moment. Yeah. Right. And this is no disrespect to my wife, right. and, and my mother, and everybody else. Just, you're who, just trying to be honest to your true self. Correct. Yeah. So that that time went by, mm-hmm. as you probably and your listeners can probably infer, there was no mic check one two like that at yeah. the time. Yeah. This was more of, you know, I'm just clearly not rooted in in, you know, hip hop proper right. like 
like I would would like to be. I just came off of a really, really turbulent tour. tour. Yeah. You know, um, I'll go on record and say this is probably where I officially considered myself um, no longer a member of the coup. Right. Proper. Like, right. It was done. Like right. if there's anything that I learned from that tour, it was I don't believe I'm I am no, any longer a member of this group. Right. Um, even as like a extended member. Right. Now if that's changed in 2019. Now was that it's all good before the guy Taurus got shot? Taurus who was with was member him. There was a guy who I think he came after you. His name was Taurus, but then he got murdered or something. Mm. It was really strange. Mm, I, that might have came after me. Yeah. I stopped really working with the coup. In by in in practice, yeah, two thousand and four, yeah, maybe two thousand and five at the latest. But it was like you, I can stick a fork in it by two thousand and six, right? And that was just for different reasons. So I'm I'm kind of over communicating that because I really want to give a shout out to Boots, rest in peace, Pam. Those were probably some of the most holistic, holistically enriching times of my life, as far as hip hop goes. Artistically, shout out to Boots. Boots taught me how to be on stage artistically with a crowd, with respect to Paris and Gorilla Funk. I learned that first with Boots. And we just had a lot of fun, organic times. It was very innocent. There was no industry overtone to it. So I'm saying all that to say, by the end of 2006, that was done. You were were in a new phase of personal reflection. Correct, correct. And I wanted to be more than what I was, right? Just got it. Jacked up tour, uh, fight, you know what I mean? Just had this fight, barely rap summit. My daughter was born. It was just very turbulent. Shout so, out to Danny D. Shout out to Danny D. Yeah, yeah. He deserves props, man. That's a dude I got love for on site forever. Danny D. Um, Derek B. Yeah. Sick Mix. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to da- Shout out to Docs. Yeah. Shout even though some people will say whatever they want to say about him, that's fine. Shout out to B12. B twelve. B twelve. My boy's bringing building. people. Okay, up, from that from that period, from that time frame, right? So, so at that time, it was just real turbulent, and I did not believe in God in the way that I was probably encouraged to believe in God mm. at that time. Mm. I I never was an atheist, right? But I did not believe that the God that I was told existed, Mm. existed in a realm that, that was that, I want to be clear about this. I didn't believe that the God that I was told to believe in existed at a magnitude great enough to help somebody like me, who I believed was undeserving of it. Mm. So I'm just too low, too far gone. Too far gone. You, that God I got taught to to believe in, they oh, couldn't help me, boy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't help me. Look, I mean, mm-hmm. just look at me. God damn it, mm-hmm. you know, all type of stuff. So it was a big pity party, pity Labelle. Right. You know what I mean? It was. It was. It was a dark time. Yeah, man. And then I said, you know what? Because it's like this. And the only thing that I have to look towards that seems to make the most sense are the Muslims around me and what I, I believe is al-Islam proper. Um, I'm going to go in that route. I did not have the same esteem that I have now. I just had a, a curiosity about it based right. off of how much just being in its periphery right. brought me. I wanted to go near it. I, and, and I got closer and closer. And then I said... I remember what Adisa said. You know what? And full circle, I talked to my dad about it. 
deep. He said, shit wouldn't hurt, man. Yeah. You can only benefit from it. Yeah. I met with you, Mikael Santini. I forgot the other brothers in the room. Forgive me by name. I was with Imam Zaid. Imam Zaid Shakir. Correct. Salam from Zaytuna. Yeah. And uh, and I and I gave the for those that don't know, he is one of the best scholars on Islam mm -hmm. walking the earth right now, mm -hmm. and he's one of the founders of Zaytuna College. And if you're unfamiliar with him, I suggest you look up Bill Moyer's interview with uh, Zaid Shaker on YouTube. It's really mm -hmm. good. Correct. Correct. So at that time, um, literally September 14th. Uh, what is it? Right before, right after Fajr? Yeah. Right? As they tune Fajr in when is in morning here. prayer for the Muslims. Yes. Forgive me. Um, I made the declaration that I believe mm. there is no God but Allah mm. and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So what, like, it's always weird, right? Because. And, oh, and I was shaken too. I was like hella scared. Yeah. I was like, oh man, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you going to no. beat me up after this, man? Am I getting jumped in, bro? Jumped in, man? Right now, dude? No, I didn't say do, that. Do, do I get a 40 after the beating? I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's no 40. No, just uh, maybe some Fiji. Right. Okay. You know what I'm but the old English uh, and the 40 Hadith. Correct. Uh, it is gone. You man. know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so the thing, this always gets weird because when people start talking about their faith, a lot of yeah. times people be like, oh, this is a conversion show. Or, right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? This is like Shawn Michaels interviewing Sting, isn't right. it? Right. You know I knew you guys were something. I have something going on, dude. I knew when I offered you. Sounds pretty fishy, bro. You didn't snort that one line I told you to hit before we went into the frickin' Red Hot Chili Peppers reunion tour. Something's going so, on, man. So, <laughs> rather than getting too granular yeah, on different yeah. aspects of your faith, oh, good. what I would like to look at is, you know, what are the greater significant achievements that you've made since then, mm, mm -hmm. looking back mm -hmm. at the man that you were before? Yes, yeah. A few, a few. Um, I think the... the top five, say, bro. Top five. Okay, top five. Um, I'm still willingly, without any regret, and still 100% willingly and enthusiastically a member of my household as a husband and mm -hmm. as a father. Listen to that, man. Yeah. I, I know people listening, like, you probably don't know this about me, but I am real serious about family. Mm -hmm. And I believe that one of the biggest problems that America has is that the family and the education systems are both broken. Mm -hmm. I think that that is why America is in such turmoil mm -hmm. and i don't care whether you're talking about black people or white people mm -hmm. christians muslim jews atheists yeah. agnostics yeah i don't care i'm saying yeah. that the broken families and the broken education system is the most deadly cocktail that we have had mm -hmm. and, and, and it's been this way for a while yeah so to hear you talk about leading with your perception of yourself and yeah. your hope for your family as yeah. a whole one yeah that that's deep to me yeah case in point man I can't wait because some people are like, "Yo, man, I can't wait to go to I can't wait to go to Rolling Loud, man." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, shout out Rolling Loud, right? Shout out, dog. But I really CBD oil is important. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> um, I can't wait to take my wife and kids out to dinner Tuesday night. Right, this Tuesday night. Like, right. that, I'm looking forward to that, yeah. and I'm looking forward to like this week maybe like going to Target 
and yeah. having my daughter with me. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, no, those are the golden moments. Correct. Man. Right. So, and, and that, and I really mean that. So that was, that's the first one to be, to, to be alive and well in that context. Present and deliberate father. Correct. Correct. And husband. And husband. And husband. Yeah. Right. Um, and my wife has definitely been an example of such. Mm-hmm. She's coming to her own success. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not Muslim. Right. But she is a believer right. in the same source of creation. Right, right, right. Um, so, um, so father and husband. And right? even if not, that connectivity is still beautiful, Correct. right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the second one was um, health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Health and fitness. Some people say health and wellness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still say health and fitness, and that's in four reasons. Why do you make that differentiation? What does that mean to you? The differentiation is this. If you are healthy and well, mm-hmm. it may not always denote healthy and fit. True. You get what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, that boy is just, he's doing so good. And, you know, I know ever since uh, he, you know, he lost one eye in that drive-by. You right. Know, he is just can't see out of one eye and got to, you know, three toes and a ear, mm-hmm. you know, and you know what I mean? He's healthy for, you know what I mean? Right. But how fit can he be? Right. You get what I mean? I Given the physical right. context of the right. definition, right? We're not necessarily saying, oh, you know, I'm really mentally fit, probably. But, you know, if you got one leg, if you're missing certain elements of right, right, right. Your, your body, you're only going to be as fit as what your body can allow you to be. Uh, given those mm-hmm. missing elements, right? So when I say fitness, I mean for my body, with mm-hmm. respect to everyone who might have just felt any type of offense to what I said. A hey, shout out to that wrestler from Arizona State who has one leg who's pinning Correct. everybody. Correct. He's fit. Right. But to the magnitude of fit that somebody with both legs would mm-hmm. have, that's questionable with respect to person with one leg, person right. with the second one. So I digress, just want to move forward. Um, I wasn't as physically fit as I was physically healthy. Mm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you know, I ate the veggie burger and mm. didn't drink, didn't smoke, still don't. Right. Um, you know, no drugs at right. all, right? right? Willingly. I, right. Um, but, you know, I was pushing like 264, dog. You know what I mean? I was I not working out, right? Had a clean... You're literally like half the man you were. Yeah, yeah. And, and... And once I became surrounded and incubated by people who helped me bridge the gap between mm-hmm. one meal a day yep. and intermittent fasting. Right. Okay. Because we know it's gone mainstream now. Right. Everybody wants to do it now. Malcolm X was intermittent fasting. Correct. Correct. Everybody who you claim. I just don't know. I mean, it just seems so bigoted. It's just so like... Hateful? I mean, all those guys, brothers of Brother Johnson and the like, okay, they were all fasting, right? They were doing it through something called one meal a day, but they were focusing on their physical health as it applies to being fit to engage with life's challenges the best they can. So that showed up as number two in the form of healthy eating mm-hmm. through Islam, but then also being able to become physically fit by your, some of your early advice, right? Mm-hmm. Don't throw the other mic at me, brother, but it was some of that advice, but another big portion of it what was... What was that advice? I don't even remember. It was so long ago. I'm being honest. I don't You know remember. what? It, I, I think you gave me some advice that 
denotes um, hit, mm. high intensity mm-hmm. interval mm-hmm. training. Yeah, I, I would make up workouts for TK. Yeah, yeah. And we had this one called the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Ho Chi Minh Trail, Cloverfield. <laughs> Cloverfield. I was yeah. like, what is so, Cloverfield, right? So we would make we, we would Damn give it, these man. workouts, these crazy, <laughs> these crazy names. Yeah. And we would go do them. We'd do them together separately. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what what was Ho Chi Minh? That that was Ho Chi Minh was that like, was two minutes on the two road. Two minutes on the road. Ten push ups. Ten push ups. Twenty crunches. Twenty twenty crunches. It was it was circuit training. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What was missing and that I finally put Put together with that, mm-hmm. maybe a few years later, mm-hmm. but at the time, was me understanding the concept of calories in, right. calories out. Now, see, that's deep, and that's going to deal with personally defining your fitness path, right? Yeah. Because for someone like me with a super fast metabolism, correct, I'm not going to ever see that that's correct. necessary. Correct. Correct. Right? I'm never going to yeah. see that that's necessary, yeah. and that's why yeah. it's dope that you took that. Initiative and understanding on your own, right? So my metabolism has been historically that of a decomposing tomato. (laughs) Because of that. (laughs) Okay. You can't pass your pot to too many plates, though, man. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm going to just leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. You know what I'm saying? I got to stop at like half a tomato. It's going to take a while for that to break down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, do you have anything going on with you? A little disease? No. It's just, you know, I have a slow metabolism, right? So uh, I had to I had to be mindful of like you know, do I want uh, one heaping helping of that? Right, right. Uh, okay, heaping helping. Right, a heaping helping. Heaping helping, or do I just want to lean back and say, right. well, you cut that in half, Grandma? Let right, me right, right, right. Okay, so when I learned the portion control, portion better. control, yeah. and a workout that was consistent enough for me to do for at least forty five minutes. 45 minutes, I think, is the golden number, man. The golden number. I really do. I'm not saying that you can't do more. I'm saying if you mm. want real progress, yeah. that's 45. where you're going to see yeah. it, man. Correct. If you hitting 45, no more than an hour. Yeah. An hour, anything past an hour is like, well, you might just got a lot of energy. Yeah. You're going you to like strain something. Yeah, or you don't want to do it. If whatever. you're training for something like, you know, running or something. Yeah. yeah. But if you, all things considered, I found that 45 minute a day, mm-hmm. five day a week or Four day a week, twice a day on the fourth day uh, workout. See, I could never do twice, man. Uh, Just it, it me, gets, bro. It gets I can, I can yeah. only do once. I was like, I'm yeah. going to give you this right here. Yeah. And it, that's all she wrote. I mean, I, I it, it eventually turned to five days a week. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is something that I could pretty much sustain. Yeah. And then along with taking away some calories, mm-hmm. first of all, calculating how much I should eat, mm-hmm. taking away the excess. Mm-hmm. And then taking away the 500 recommended from mm-hmm. that that actual amount that I should right. eat, the results came pretty quick. That's dope. Yeah. See, it's totally interesting because, like, for me, because I've always had a faster metabolism yeah. since I was a kid, man. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, even yeah. even kicking 50 swiftly in the ass. Wow. 50. You know, 41 is pretty fun for me, man. Man. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that makes it crazy is, like... I can be out of shape like whatever, but once I hit the road, that's why I'm jogging again and jumping yeah, rope man. again. Because yeah. my body would be like, oh, we're back? Yeah, 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 and yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm yep. good. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but everybody's not like that. And this is why I don't care whether it deals with intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. the alkaline diet, mm-hmm. anything coming out of Dr. Sebi camp, anything coming out of a vegan camp, anything coming out of a pescatarian camp, whatever you're reading, right? Sometimes people have diets based on their blood. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah. And I don't, 
have any. Right now, I'm looking into diets based on your dosha. Yeah. You know, dosha is like your your constitution based on how you're seen through the through the Vedic path of yoga and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I used to really eat based on that stuff. Like, do it all, pay attention, but do it for you, and and make changes as seen fit, man. Like sometimes your trainer just has a different body. Correct. Sometimes, you know, Correct. your partner who you're paired up with to work out at the gym Thank and you. they have certain leanings towards weights and maybe you have one towards cardio. Right. It's not wrong. Right. Y'all just gonna be like, right. all right, man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hit the elliptical. You mm-hmm. gonna hit the bench, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. be aware. Don't just fall into this. I'm doing the potato all day diet. Yeah, right. Or I'm, right. you right. know, I'm eating seven cans of tuna diet. Yeah, right, right, like, right. Like man, right. just, do live you. it how you want to live yeah. it, man. But but do the research and the work. Correct. Don't just fall in line. Correct. Do the research Correct. and the work. You Correct. might get in the thing and be like, actually, you know what? This blood based diet is perfect for me. Yeah. You know, and I've been yeah. doing this the whole time. Yes. Or or it might be something yes. else, right? Like, do the research and the work. Don't just like read but not work out. Yeah. And don't work out and not and, and do just anything. like break yourself in half, but yeah. not really be thinking Understand. about how you're doing it, man. Uh, absolutely correct. Yeah. That is the precursor to where I am now. Yeah. At that time, it was calorie reduction, consistency with my workout, mm-hmm. as it applied to me. What can I do? Mm-hmm. I know what everybody else can do, and mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm gonna get out here on this. I used to jog the Aloni Path in mm-hmm. El Cerrito, mm-hmm. and uh, that and that that is where I started to discover how that applied to my body in the same way that mm-hmm. you brought it up. Mm-hmm. So, health and fitness is number. Was that three? Was that, was that three? Yeah, because you did. I did. We did. Education. Education. No, family. No, we did family. Family. This is number two. Two. Okay, so three. It's three. Three is actually. Um, three is actually education. Four is health and wellness, mm. and then the fifth one. And and this is where people are going to say, "Oh no, what day mm. like that?" Right. You know. Um, so I'm not rich. Right. But I'm not poor. Right. You're, you're surviving. I'm, right. And that's something where top five for me. Well, you know, surviving yeah. in, in jujitsu, they say you survive first, then you win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you Correct. can't survive, you ain't going to win. Correct. So it's not so yeah. much about dotting them in the eye or choking them out, but just mm-hmm. not being choked out, not, <laughs> not getting knocked out. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, weathering that storm will give you your yeah. opportunity to win. That's right. That's yeah. right. So number, so number three was education. Right. That's the degree, yeah? That is the degree one of two mm-hmm. and a personal trainer certification. Tight. Um, so when I went back to school in 2008, Wait, I believe, this yeah. was like, you talk about 2006 was like, oh, I think this whole situation with the coup is done. Right. 2007, mm-hmm. with respect to what came after mm-hmm. when it comes to Gorilla Funk, mm-hmm. The whole turf war syndrome era yeah. was completely done. Right. right, brains all over the street didn't happen yet. Right. Acid reflex didn't happen. Yeah, the check your rhyme tour didn't happen yet. Yeah. This was like rock bottom for hip hop, and I was still in that tear down to be rebuilt phase mm-hmm. that I I believe Al Islam through Allah's right, right. Uh, uh, mercy and grace gave to me. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, I got to try this school thing again. Right. I remember when I first graduated, even before that, you know, in high school, that was a key thing. You know, I want to go to college, too. I want to go. But you don't have. Well, let me say this. I didn't have mm. I didn't have the home life mm. and I did not have the academic support 
that's needed for not just a kid to go to college, but drum roll, please. A black and Filipino kid yeah. to go to college. Not a lot of models out there. Absolutely you be not. be a pioneer whether you want Absolute, to or not. Correct. So I didn't have anybody to tell me, hey, you know what? Historically, this aspect of life for black people, Filipino people, as we know it here in America, has been historically um, prevented mm-hmm. or prohibited from mm-hmm. us. Right. And it's going to be probably more stressful than it should be. Mm -hmm. But the reward is greater than all of that. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to persevere. No one one was around to tell me that at a time where I was still 16, 17, getting ready to be 18. Nobody who, you know, I didn't have that. Okay. Right. So I didn't have it, but I knew that it was still needed Mm -hmm. in the back of my head. All those years, even after parenthood, even after I took, you know, my oath to Al-Islam, the time came where I said, okay. If there's any point to do this, it would be now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where this is going to go, but I've already been to where it I've, I've been to where roads leads a uh, roads lead. Excuse me. When you don't have right the degree. Right. Right. I've been there. Okay? Me too, dog. Ten, 10 years, 15 years at this point at that time. When I went and signed up for. Um, no, we went there together, I believe. No, no. We were supposed to take the matriculation test. That's right. Same we were. time, right? Uh, so I went, I went and took it, and I did better than what I thought I would do. And I was like, oh, snap. I remember Maybe. that. Yeah. I remember that. I was like, snap. Okay. Um, so I'm taking the test, and I did a lot better. And this tells you, you know, based off of your test, you should take this. You could you, be. You could start here. Right. And again, I did not know what I didn't know. It was strictly like, you know what? Inshallah, I'm going to, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do. You're just going to see. Yeah. Right. So, uh, spring of 2008, I took English 1A mm-hmm. at Berkeley City College, and I took Soch 2. Okay. Now, anybody listening was like, why'd you take Soch 2? You didn't take Soch 1A. Why'd you take Soch 2? Right. Because literally, I was just new coming back. I didn't know the difference. You right. know what I mean? Just like jumping in, homie. So, you know, so I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool, but like, I don't need social one, do I? You know, it's like, right. yeah, you kind of. But anyway, I took these two classes, and you could have told me that this was it. I am. I might as well hang it up now. I've already tried before to go to class. Right. It didn't work. I didn't have that support. This time, I had the support. I had you. I had yeah. all of these other Islamic partners. I had Paris. Yeah. I had, you know. Just all these different elements in life. So, went back that semester. I got an A and a B. How'd you feel? um, You know what? I felt like, hey, wait a minute. You ever have that feeling? Hey, wait a minute. Can I tell you when I had that feeling? Yeah. I had that feeling about three months ago. Yeah, man. I was on... There's a a thing, and I think I've mentioned it before, but I can't Mm -hmm. mention it enough. It's called edX. Hmm. So, edX is an app. Yeah. And it's free online courses at mm. Ivy League schools. Ah. Now, you don't get credits, but you right. get certifications. Right. So right. a lot of people don't know. I used to be a paralegal. I worked for one of the best uh, civil rights attorneys in the Bay at the time. His name is Rodney Moore. Mm. And Rodney moved out. He was in Silicon Valley. And around the time that he left, I left just doing paralegal stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went and I took a contract law class just to see what would happen. Yeah. And I passed it. Dopeness. Harvard. Yeah. 
Okay. And I was like, so you like, okay, am I a lawyer? Have I passed the bar? Is this no, dog? But you got to understand that I am a high school dropout with a GED, and that's it. Everything else has been autodidactic. Everything. So yeah. if you ever hear me say anything about philosophy, history, you got to understand yeah. that I had one class at Skyline College on journalism that I actually failed. I actually passed a black psychology class. What I took with Dre Dog, me and Andre Nicotina took black psychology together. Wow. That's a true story. That's how I met. Wow. That's how I met shout Andre out, Nicotina. Shout out Dre. Right. And then and then I took an African American history class at Laney College with Miss Dr. Richardson. Yeah. Two classes. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So like yeah. I have no real formal education mm-hmm. because I always felt I didn't belong in school. Mm-hmm. And that was about grooming that, yeah. that right. I, I accepted. Yeah. And so yeah. when I passed this class in edX, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. So maybe I, I do belong yeah. in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I had my moment, similar moment, 2008, and I said, hey, wait a minute. I just went 15 years believing that I was too stupid, incapable. too broke, right, too incapable to do this. And I just did it. And I just did it very well. Yeah. Side note, one of the main reasons I actually started to try to monetize myself mm-hmm. as a rapper mm-hmm. is because I truly believe that I could not get a degree that could land me a job that That's could land deep. me a career. So what I started to do was reexamine my entire template for success. Right. I said, ah, hmm. Okay. Okay. So one class led to another. I had to take a pause for the cause in 2009, 2010, because um, there was a there was an American, a U.S., a domestic um, leg of the check your rhyme, check the rhyme tour um, that was going. No, no, no. Forgive me. Forgive me. Um, so I had to take a, a quick pause in academic studies in 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. because. No, 2009 and 10, because I want to get this right. Ah, here's what happened. So you remember I told you about about that European tour? Yep. There was going to be an American leg of it. Okay. And that crashed. Mm. And I and I postponed my classwork to, to, do, to it. do it. Whoa. So I missed so a I semester. So I know you felt hella mad. Did you know that what, make you mad? You know what, man? I was I was mad, but then I was just also really disappointed mm-hmm. right not not necessarily because you know um because i was and this is probably going to sound like a diss it's not a diss to, to paris or anybody else hip-hop it was i had a bigger plan right that hip-hop paris everybody it was very important right in right. the element of that plan and it was just very disappointing to see that at the time, that I thought postponed. Yeah, I well, I was mad. mad, but again, it's like being mad at you. Like I'm mad at, but I'm not really mad at you. It's you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just you. So it's like it's P. You know what I mean? It's like, damn it, man. You know, I was just more mad at the situation the itself. The totality of the situation. Correct. Correct. Sure. You said it better. The the macro of it, mm-hmm. right? Not the nuts mm-hmm. and bolts. If there were other ways where it could have happened, I wouldn't have been. You know, but that was the way that it was going to yeah. happen. I was going to do this yeah. tour. I was do this money. Tuck that money, go back to school, get this degree, quit my job, have a little cushion, find it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was the plan. Um, but Allah is the best planner. We know that. Yeah. Okay. At the time, education. So fast forward, a few years go by. This is the, this is the 
the fall of 2011. And by this time, I'm getting ready to petition for my associate's degree. Mm. And somebody told me, yeah, you should start applying to four years. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, get a bachelor's. Yeah. And they said, don't stop, man. Don't stop. And I began to examine, like, what four-year would be mm. the best. Now, if you're from the Bay Area, for real, for real, no transplantism. Right. Been here. Been here. Grew up here. You know what I'm going to say. Black people, man, unfortunately, we don't think Berkeley. We don't think Cal. Not like that. Right. Not like we or should. Or Stanford, really. Or Stanford. Unless you're some kind of standout. Right. And, but at the time, it's like, yeah. even if I stood out. Right. Ain't taking my black. You know, okay. Right, right. And again, nobody around me in my immediate circle is saying, hey, maybe you, you can should do it. Do, you can do, right. This was more of, you can do it at, no disrespect to San Francisco State, San Francisco State. Right. You can do it at, no disrespect to. It was, it was to, this idea that you, that you couldn't. Uh, hmm. You weren't. You maybe, were inherently boxed out. Correct. You, why try? Right. Right. There are too many. Right. Out. Too many. Too many. Uh, too many minuses against you. Yeah, right. That's real. So, that's real. So I just didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't think about it. Now, does that mean I did not want to ever go to right. UC Berkeley as a student? Right. No, not at all. I always wanted to do that. Of course. I used to get jealous, man. I used to go to Rasputin Records when it was I still know, Leopold's, man. and I'd see these kids with cow shirts on and cow sweaters, and I'm like, damn, that shit is. Can dope. I tell you a quick secret? Yeah. You're the chancellor of UC Berkeley, aren't you? No. I knew it. Man. No, listen, this is a okay, true story. Here's a secret. Story. Here we go. When I was young and I didn't believe that I was capable of going to college. Yeah, man. I would go sometimes when I was at when I was at Laney, mm-hmm. I was only there for like two semesters. Yeah. Um and even when I wasn't, I would go do my work to write. I was writing for the Black Panther newspaper called the Commemorator. And I would go write by that fountain. On Berkeley campus. Oh, Sprout. And I was there so much yeah. that people to this day think I went there. <laughs> I was there <laughs> so much that there up. is a, there is a, this is a true story. Yeah, man. There is a, there is a UC Berkeley Black Student Union like mm-hmm. yearbook thing. Yeah. And I'm in it. And people think that I went there, bro. <laughs> wow. It's a true story. Wow. And it was, really it was there because I was trying to feel like I belonged around wisdom. Yeah. But I felt like I didn't. So I would just go there and read. Yeah. It's a true story. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give a shout out to a newly admitted student a student at UC Berkeley, African-American brother. Mm-hmm. His name is Enzike Giblis. I hope I'm pronouncing your mm-hmm. last name right, bro. Um, and he is a, a member of what's now known as the Black Men's Collective. Shout out to Mylon Drake and William Jackson. What up, Mylon, bro? And Keynote, okay. And um, he remind, you remind, that story reminds me of him. He was another mm. student that just got accepted into UC Berkeley. But before that, he was around UC Berkeley, around my mm. program, other people in the community so Bro. much. So, you know, it, I can understand where you're coming from. Right? But at that time, for me, I, I did no such thing. Right. I had some moments at UC Berkeley during my teen celebrity years at Calex, kind right. of carrying records for Kasimu Itep. And kind of just being a roadie for like the Sunday morning crew, remember? Right, that? right, 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 for, right. For Siddiqui and, right. and, uh, and Tamu. Yeah. But that's different. That was still hip hop. You don't stop, you, but you definitely don't go to UC Berkeley, for right? Sure, dude. Not as a student, not for at sure. that time. Okay. So, four year colleges come on the, on the scene, and I applied because here's what I thought I thought, humble beginnings. I didn't even. 
I didn't even anticipate getting accepted in. And I wasn't grateful for this prospect of getting in yeah. more than I was grateful to Allah for allowing me to be in a condition that allowed me to apply in the first place. Right. You got to remember, I stood inside of a hospital emergency room with my mom 15 years before that. Right. Right. Saying to myself, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And here I am now saying, okay, I, I just submitted my application. It's a wrap. Right. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get in. And then boom. And then, and then boom, um, I sat as a security guard in my bright yellow buggy, faithfully, respectively, yeah. gratefully, in um, the spring of 2012. I remember those yeah. days. And I got a... Um, at that time, they didn't send you, they converted. They didn't, UC Berkeley didn't send you a letter. A letter. They sent you a, a notification online through mm-hmm. a, it's, it's, uh, it's changed since then, but mm-hmm. it was a portal, mm-hmm. right? Online portal that mm-hmm. you checked your application, mm-hmm. you uploaded your documents. Man, I refreshed that thing every 30 seconds. Yeah, until come the on, time frame. Come on. Come on, man. And do you know it said, Congratulations, you have been accepted Did into you cry? the university? You know what? No, I did not cry. You know what happened? Hmm. My nose flared up. Right. Man, now we say, you you said, hey, man, weren't you mad? I would have been mad. As far as the tour situation? No, I wasn't mad. I got mad then. You want to know why? Hmm. Because I felt like this was the epitome of, hey, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I've been doing this, this for so time. time? And I was and good, enough. good enough. The beginning to go to UC Berkeley. Oh, I'm really about to do this. Now. Man, you know what I mean. I'm really about to do it now. And that day, man, hi Tommy, how you doing? Oh, I'm just fine today, Mister So and So. Hi Tommy, how you doing? Oh, I'm just fine today, Miss So and So. Why? Oh, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> so the slave picking at his lock, beating yep, the chain, and, and we about to run free. Right, and all of a sudden, pop, bye bye. Oh, oh, and then I went like this. Oh. You know what I mean? Yep. I put them hands right back together. Oh, nothing going on here. Nothing yep. to see here. We but good. We good. But I knew at that point something Everything else was about was to different. happen. Correct. So look, not to not to end it too quickly because I got to obviously have you back. Go ahead. Man. Talk That's to me okay. about the moment you crossed the stage when you heard your name and you crossed the stage as as at, a at, yeah, as a graduate. With your degree at, at UC Berkeley. Um, I crossed the stage a few times because there were different graduation ceremonies. I think the biggest one for me. Um, when I crossed the st- across the stage uh, was my linguistics mm-hmm. uh, department graduation. Mm-hmm. I looked up and I just said, like, man, you know, I just laughed. Yeah. I said, you know what? There really is a God. Yeah. The God. And I am in that fold of support and compassion and empathy and love because yeah. this is not because of me. Yeah. This is not because of me. Yeah. And I just shook my head and I just laughed. I said, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, so I don't think I, you know, backflipped or you know, right. flipped the crowd off. All right, right. Black power fist. Screw salute. you, Mr. McGillicuddy. Right. You said I wouldn't be right. anything. Yeah. You know, it was more of, wow, just astonishment. Mm-hmm. Laughed. I shook my head. I just closed my eyes. I said, wow. And I still say it. Yeah. I still say it. Right. Um, and that was probably... And still not probably it was probably the moment of closure yep for the words that um 
the words I can't. Yeah, man. You get what I mean? Like, straight up. Well, yo, man, thank you for being on. How can people get at you if they want to get at you? You know what, man? I've actually stepped into the 90s, man. Okay, I'm on the social media, baby. If you want to <laughs> check my MySpace, bro. Yeah, you can check you my... get on my MySpace. Do some Fruit Loops beats back and forth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, same old same. Yeah. You can email me directly. Yeah. T-K-A-S-H-F-O-V-E-E. Oh, wait a minute. Forever. Man, just, he, I can't even spell. Damn thing. Just Damn say it, man. Say it. Tcash forever. Thank you. At gmail.com. All right. Yo, they can man, contact me. Thank you for being on Bishop Chronicles, man. Appreciate you. Definitely going to have you back. Thank you. And um, yeah, no, this is beautiful. Yo, this is FarsightTV.com. This is Side Life Radio. You are listening to the Bishop Chronicles. It is a worldwide West Side all day, every day. That's how we do it. Stay blessed. Stay strong. Peace. Teacher, what star is that? Technique. <laughs>